Welcome, everybody. Thanks for listening in. And we had such a response to our first session with Darby that we've asked her back. Ladies and gentlemen, we are we will be speaking with Darby Latshaw again, mental health professional, about uh, certain concerns that people who are going through transitions in their life might have. And that can be anything from a change in career, a change in life circumstance, uh, maybe getting older, finding yourself midlife and not knowing what you're going to be doing, you know, post 40, for example. But there were quite a few things that you said that many of the people that you see who are in their 40s come to you with. What are their main concerns? Oh, wow. You know, it's really interesting. I think a lot of people are searching, really searching at this time of life and kind of going through an upheaval, a transition and a search for identity. How do you then begin that search for identity? For example, uh, you know, ordinary person finds themselves feeling less like they did when they were in their 20s, for example. Let's talk about a change in career. Mm. Um, not that I'm talking for myself, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, but just as an example, let's say, you know, you find yourself after 25 years, um, you've got your dream job, you did that, and then you feel there has to be something else, maybe, yes. or you want to explore something else. What is it then that you a person should do? What would you suggest for clients who come in with that, for example? Well, and that's really... That's actually very common and it is kind of, it kind of surfaces as a restlessness and as a kind of, it can surface as kind of some existential questions and some like, uh, boredom or unfulfillment. And that can be really scary for people because it's kind of like, I know this isn't quite working, but I don't know where I'm going next. So it's this in-between place that can be really terrifying. And I would encourage, um, I think it's really important during that time of life to, to kind of have someone to sit with who can help you figure out how to go inward to the journey inside and really find our our own home within our personal self and no one else can do that for you you have to do it for yourself if you're willing to do it it's a lot of work but it's um and very difficult at a stage in world history where everything seems to be outward yes especially now yes and there are so many distractions. You know, we can distract ourselves. If we want to never take this journey inward, we totally can. And we can numb ourselves mm-hmm. and we can run. We can just completely get involved in the outer world. Be attached to your gadgets, yes. for example. Yeah. yeah. And and just and just hide in all of that. And that's something that can be a real temptation because the journey inward can be terrifying because we're facing things that aren't necessarily I mean They aren't comfortable. And that's why you want to find someone that you trust a whole lot and feel really safe with to kind of go through that journey with you. A really good thing to do is just kind of sit with yourself silently and kind of see if that's uncomfortable or comfortable, you know, see Mm -hmm. if that feels like home or if that feels like I really need to have a distraction because I can't stand to sit here by myself. And so I would encourage people to... um, to really begin to take that journey inward. And when you're sitting with someone who's kind of interested in leading a person, it's actually kind of more like midwifery, I would say, as opposed right. to leading, just sitting with a person and kind of that's holding that space. That's an interesting word. That's a good word yeah, for it. Yeah, that's kind of how it feels more to me, as opposed to to leading, more more just sitting with someone while they while they return home to themselves. 
But what do you do then with with people who are unable to give themselves that space or refuse to? Mm. I, I have spoken to people who can't even sleep without the television on. Right. They just need the white noise in the background for whatever reason, or they need the light on. Or yeah. And these are people in their 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. And it's that inability to sit with themselves or to even look for a space where they can be quiet. That's really scary. And a lot of times that becomes so unbearable that that is what leads people into therapy. And it doesn't right. have to be like a... <laughs> the road to therapy. <laughs> the road to therapy. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> there's just so long, you know, there's just so long sometimes that people can do that. And, you know, sometimes there has been kind of a... Um, you know, some kind of a stigma about going to therapy that there needs to be something wrong with you. Yes. But I, you know, I know I'm biased, but I just love this field so much. And I enjoy, I enjoy, I think this is really exciting that when we've, when we've exhausted every single um, possible distraction, there is an answer. There is a home. There is a place of peace. There is a place of comfort. And it is all within yourself and coming to peace with yourself and coming to terms with yourself and getting to know all the hidden places that you don't know. It's kind of like you're trying to get your own attention. Could you give us some tips or let's say what what suggestions might you have for our listeners as to what they can do, for example, to try to uh, center themselves or be a little more at ease with themselves or deal with trauma? There are a number of things that you can do to kind of settle your body. And um, one thing that's really very simple. And I, I learned this from someone named Elaine Miller Karras, and she um, started a trauma resiliency institute. And it's all about being able to, on your own, calm down your nervous system. So one thing, and the very first thing you do is notice. And what we're kind of tempted to do is to try to escape from anxiety or escape from that feeling of, um, if your hands are shaking or your knees are shaking or you're nervous or your heart is pounding mm-hmm. or you feel a heat up your neck or, you know, and these kinds of things can even happen when someone cuts you off in traffic or, you know, these, yeah. these little things that happen to us all through the day. The very first thing you can do is just notice what is, what is happening in your body and kind of, okay, my heart's beating. Okay, how's my breath? So check in with yourself about your breath and just asking yourself and being compassionate towards yourself like, okay, my breathing's a little shallow right now. So just even noticing your breath is something that you can do to kind of calm yourself down and it'll kind of help you to take a deep breath. And um, one thing you can do to prepare yourself for these moments where we get a little overstimulated or anxious or in a place of complete trauma, fight or flight, panic, those kinds of things, is to spend some time by yourself and really try to imagine something and recall something that makes you feel completely just at a place of well-being in in yourself or a, a person or a place or a thing. It could be your dog. It could be your cat. It could be sitting by the ocean. It could be a song that you love. So if you, you know, as, as we're sitting here together, you know, I'm thinking about how I feel when I sit by a fire. And so I, I just kind of, if I were to describe that to you, or if I were to describe it to myself, I would kind of start to embody what that feels like 
the comfort that it brings me, the warmth that I can feel, the sound of the crackling wood, the smell of the smoke, you know, those things. And you really get into every little detail of that experience. If it's your dog, you know, what does your dog's fur feel like? What do the little wet nose feel like? You know, what, what do they smell like? You know, their little puppy breath or whatever. And as you're kind of conjuring that up, it's bringing that sense of, that experience into your body. And so as you're re-experiencing that, then you notice like, okay, now I'm starting to feel a little more like an opening in my chest and I'm, I'm feeling a little relaxed. My shoulders have dropped and, you know, and so things like that, where you kind of recall, it's not the same as going to a happy place because it's not a mental thing only. It's an embodiment. You know, you're really trying to re-experience that comfort in that moment so that when you are cut off in traffic, you can, okay, well, what's my resource? It's called a resource. Okay. You know, the fire. I remember that I, you know, in my body that I, my, my chest can open up, my shoulders can relax, you know, so these are things you kind of practice beforehand. And then you can call them up, you know, when you're really stressed. And I heard you mention grounding earlier. Grounding is huge. That's another, that's another thing you can do. And that is to just feel your feet on the floor or to feel the seat cushion under your bottom or, you know, feel the couch under your legs. So you're kind of bringing awareness and attention to how you're being held, how you're being grounded, what's holding you up in the world, literally, physically, what's, what are you touching? Um, So you can kind of feel that your feet are firmly on the floor, you can wiggle your toes. And it kind of helps to remind your nervous system, okay, I'm not floating in space. I'm not, you know, completely unraveling in every way. I'm actually sitting on a chair, my feet are on the ground and okay, I'm I'm coming back into my own body. So grounding and and centering yourself would be helpful in times of stress and or anxiety. Yes, exactly. So if you learn how to practice that, you know, beforehand and you what happens is when you're in a place of anxiety, you can kind of learn how to come back to the present moment. Because a lot of times our nervous systems are overreacting because of things that happened in our past. So we're getting a cue from right now, like someone cuts us off in traffic, and we're reacting to much more than just that. So we're reacting to all the people who have ever stepped in front of us, who have ever, you know, violated us, you know, or whatever. So our nervous systems just get completely overreactive in that moment. And so when we learn to ground, we're and center, we are reminding our nervous systems and our bodies that we are here in this present moment. And that all that just happened is that someone cut us off in traffic. And it can kind of take, it can slowly, as we learn, it can take the charge out of that. So we're dealing with what's happening in the present moment as opposed to what's happened to us for our whole lives every time someone's crossed a boundary. And mindfulness, would that be the same thing? Is that being mindful of where you are in the present moment? Mindfulness, um, it's about kind of watching what's happening right now in the in in the present moment, um, watching my thoughts. So a lot of times we kind of latch on to our thoughts and we kind of feel like we, we are our thoughts. But um, learning mindfulness and meditation, it's kind of learning to 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 watch and to observe ourselves thinking. So um, we kind of we kind of learn how to um, take a step back and, oh, wow, I'm, 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 
I'm having an anxious thought right now. Like I'm worrying or I'm, I'm ruminating right now right. or I'm imagining the future. And, and that's really scary instead of getting caught in a scenario of, Oh my goodness, this is what's going to happen in this, you know, and, and it's really hard to bring us back to the present of, okay, I'm thinking that's what I'm doing right now. I'm thinking I'm worrying instead of just kind of unconsciously letting that run away with us. So basically it's also not allowing yourself to be slave to your thoughts exactly. or your feelings. Like, oh, this is how I feel and that's that. Yes. Like, uh, oh, anger. Wow. I'm Instead of, you know, just kind of getting pulled in and completely identifying with the anger, it's okay. Ang- I feel really angry right now. I am anger. Okay. My heart is beating. My face is completely red. Okay. I'm experiencing anger. And then you kind of slowly learn how to detach. It's not a denial of the feeling. It's a, it's a, it's a noticing. It's an acceptance. It's a, okay, I really feel angry right now. That's what's happening. I feel angry. I'm not going to try to push it away. I'm going to try to welcome it with compassion. Okay. I feel angry. Okay. And so you just kind of sit, you sit with it or, you know, and you make space for it. And it's, it's difficult to do. It's not, it's not easy. It's a practice. It's not allowing the emotion to control you. Exactly. To own you, but right. you being able to look at it as a, as a part of you, as opposed to the entire you. Yeah. You. Like yeah. I, you sometimes you get so angry or you get so depressed or you get so anxious that you feel like you're one with that emotion. And it's almost like you forget that there's ever anything else. What are your mindfulness techniques then? Well, um, right now I'm actually taking a mindfulness class and I also use a meditation app okay. on my phone. Oh, is that Mindspace? There, there's one called Headspace. Oh, yes. You sorry, know, and Headspace. I, yes, yes. <laughs> and, um, and, but one that I really love is called Calm, but there are all kinds out there and you just have to find meditation someone's voice that app. you like. There you go. Now we've seen it all. <laughs> yeah, it's talking like it's about medita- our devices yes. and our gadgets. <laughs> Medi- to relax from social media, get on social get media. Get on an get, app. Get on an app. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you just, I, I, um, cause right now I'm at that beginning stage of learning how to do this myself. So I prefer a guided meditation, but some people become so good at it that, well, apparently, you know, um, my meditation teacher says that using a guided meditation is no less than, you know, sitting alone and doing a meditation yourself. So I'm going to hold on to that, but I love guided meditations because then you can really listen to the person's voice and it's just kind of a a good place for a beginner, in my opinion. How does all of this fit in then with um, how a person is able to handle a transition in their lives? Life is full of transitions and the things in our outer world are changing all the time. And this is the thing that is really terrifying. We have absolutely no control over anything outside of ourselves. Um, And, you know, a lot of people don't want to think about that. And it's hard to think about. It's it's scary to think about how anything could happen. I mean, really, truly, anything could change mm. um, at any given moment. And that is scary because we spend our lives trying to stabilize everything and, you know, control everything. But it is that connection to oneself and to the deepest part of who one is that really is the place where everything kind of quiets down and it's it's a very it's it's a place out of which you can handle anything 
Because that's really what it's about, isn't it? At the end of the day, all these transitions are, are transitions of identity. Right. Because even with the with the job, yeah. or if you lose a partner, right. it's, it's your identity as a partner then yes. changes, your identity as this particular job worker changes. Right. So it really has to do with exactly what you just said, what each one of us has built our identity around. So however we define ourselves, we hold on to that and we clutch on to that. And we kind of do identify with how others see us and what job we have and what we look like and you know all of these things. And then at, at midlife, some of those things do start to go away or diminish or, you know, we're all going to age. So that's one thing that we all have to face. So that can really feel like an attack on our identity, like we're actually losing who we are. So these are some really big themes that can be terrifying for people. But this is kind of something that does happen to a lot of us, you know. So it's really having to define then who you are outside of those externalities. Yes, exactly. That's exactly it. It's defining who you are. And you can go inward for a search of who you are, and you can decide who you are. You know, you can, there are, there are a couple different ways of thinking about it. You know, you can kind of reassess your values and figure out what is happening to me right now. Yeah, no, because I always looked inwards and, you know, there was an inner rock star and Mm. I just never got the stage. Well, you have a mic in your, you know, (laughs) (laughs) basically, it's like, what can I do? I mean, that was my identity, but nobody believed it. So, well, I would be happy to be a witness to your rock star identity right now, Marga. (laughs) It's true, I guess. Yeah, but at certain points, I think we have to let go of certain dreams. You, you, I'm sorry. I'm kidding. (laughs) I wasn't kidding about the rock star. Yeah, no, no. in full support of the rock star. (laughs) But yeah, okay. So it's learning then to define who you are without all of those external variables, which makes it very difficult because we have spent majority of our lives up until this point then defining ourselves by those external variables. And the external variables might either not change or, you know, you're always going to have external variables, but, but it's the, it's the clinging to, yeah, the, the identity that is attached to those things over which we really don't have much control as hard as we may try, you know, things sometimes fall apart. What, what was like for many of the people that you've seen who have gone through this, uh, in their forties, what was their breaking point? Was it something that was external that, they had to deal with? Was that what it was for many people as opposed to an internal restlessness? It's both actually, Um, you know, um, loss of jobs, um, breakups, um, or just, yeah, the people coming in with an internal restlessness, you know, just that kind of, I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, I've generally been a happy person and now Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, I feel bad inside and I don't even know what it is. It's kind of like this amorphous restlessness. So it can be, it really could be a number of those things. People's children getting older, you know, their role changing, um, a, a, a huge upheaval in their identity, um, a loss of faith. You know, if someone could, has defined themselves by a certain religion and all of a sudden they, they feel really alienated from that religion or, or questioning, or, you know, they've lost their faith. They've lost something that was really dear to them. So losing something dear, or my face, like I can't look at myself. I'm, yeah. I'm having a panic attack when I see how I'm aging and, and, or, you know, I'm losing my hair or, right. um, 
any one of those things, you know, can bring people into this um, sense of loss, sense of loss of identity. Everything's getting shaken up. And then it's like, where do you go from here? And where do you go? What would you suggest then? Um, or could you give us an example of what would be a better way to define one's identity? Um, I think that is the question. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the main things that I'm always, always searching for um, is having that sense of identity that is, that is stable, that is constant, that is a a safe place inside each one of us. Um, different people come to it different ways. You know, of course I'm a a huge advocate of therapy, um, because I just, I love it. And I think it's so interesting to kind of figure out why we are the way we are and what are the things that are keeping us from that sense of internal peace. So that's one thing that I would recommend, or like you said before, meditation or support groups, or, you know, just even finding other people to connect with. There are a number of things that you can do. Connecting to yourself, something that you loved as a child. There are many ways of reconnecting to yourself or discovering new parts of yourself. But of course, I'm I'm at a huge advocate of doing this, you know, with um, you know, I, I love my therapist. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm gonna do this forever. So right. Is, it, is, is that because when you're in conversation with someone, it's easier than to discover things about yourself? Is, is... I think, you know, I can speak for myself. And yeah, um, just having things kind of mirrored back, ref- reflected back, having someone else kind of know my inner world and, and be familiar with my inner world helps me to kind of see it over there. And right. then, oh, oh, okay, I can see it a little more clearly. So that's kind of what therapists, many therapists do is kind of get to know somebody, hold the pieces of their inner yes. world with them as they figure it out. And of course, sorry, but just thinking about it in that sense, we I understand also that this is almost a luxury that oh, people can yeah. afford themselves to be able to step back and look at their lives mm-hmm. because there are so many others who have more pressing material concerns, for example, who, yes. can't, who can't do that. Absolutely. It is It is absolutely a luxury. Yes, because I, I know now more and more, I have been to many areas that have suffered through natural calamities or uh, you know typhoons, earthquakes, and more and more I've seen over the years mental health workers being brought in mm-hmm. to help deal with the emotional and the mental trauma, as well as, let's say, the aid workers who come in to help with the physical problems. Because previously, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't that it wasn't that common. You didn't right. see that many mental health uh, professionals attending to these needs yeah. where they are very much needed precisely because all these people go through so much aside from just losing their homes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know? And when there's devastation like that and, and real trauma, um, that is a whole other level where you, you know, it's, it's trying to stabilize a person, bring them back. Um, a lot of times bring them, try to help connect them to a feeling of, of just, being okay. And that can take a long time in releasing the trauma from their nervous system. And there are ways of doing that, um, that, you know, it's, it's, you're in survival at that point. And that is a a whole other aspect of, of, of therapy. And, and I think this whole kind of getting 
getting to know yourself, connecting to yourself can definitely be that anchor, you know, for if there is trauma, if you do go through something and you, and you have known what it feels like to, to have a sense of well-being. And again, some people do not have that luxury to know a sense of well-being ever in their lives. And, you know, and that's something that is really heartbreaking and true. And so, yeah, mental health workers would try to find that amidst the traumatic upheaval, just trying to help someone to feel safe inside. Darby, again, thank you very much for You're your welcome. time. Thank you. That's all we have time for now, ladies and gentlemen. But hopefully we'll have Darby back again at some point in the future if she doesn't get too busy for us. But I'm very curious to know as well, what is it that might be something that unsteadies you? If you can write in, send us an email or drop us a line. would be very interested to know that. And maybe we can discuss it in an upcoming episode. Thanks again for your You're time, welcome. everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Darby. Thank you.